Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is I am the Pope in question. My name is Maylin. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. Nice monologue graphic. Very yeah, pretty. It was, it, just kind it, of playing it, around. It looks like downtown Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. This is episode 443 of the podcast. Yes, yes, Little Lebowski, Urban Achievers. I'm proud we are of all of that. It's going to be an exciting day. I've got a real fun game for the monologue, which I think is going to be a blast. We're going to be talking about the birth of pop psychology in Steve's historic approximations. And our movie this week is Elf on the Shelf. And I would just like to apologize for this week's film, Bunny. Uh, I thought that it would be like a so bad it's good, but no, it's just it's it's nigh unwatchable. I I don't know if I can completely agree. I hate this movie so much. It's basically just three guys doing a movie over a weekend, and I absolutely despise it. I haven't felt this bad about making you watch a movie since uh, Sandy Wexler. Sandy Wexler, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then they and, and I know that when when your movie is about an elf on the shelf that comes to life and kills people that. Talking about the facts of it. It's the wrong elf. As you see there. Yes. Yes. They use an authentic elf on the shelf for the poster, but then they use this like ugly ass looking Goodwill reject doll for the actual movie. I I 100% hate this movie. Super bad. Apparently you have different feelings about it. Uh, uh, slightly different feelings about it. Okay. Okay. But we I, will... I, I don't want I, I'm I'm not I'm definitely not going off on a rave for this fucking movie. Yeah. But it's... I would watch it again. Okay. Let's just okay. put it there. Yeah. Uh and I'm pretty high. You know, uh I've I've been really getting getting into philosophy lately. I'm I'm trying to better myself because it, it you know, I I I've I've been through a lot this year and I'm just trying to be a better person. And so I've been reading a lot of philosophy and there was a quote that I wanted to start the podcast with. So I'm trying to get more serious. It's from a famous uh, Western philosopher. You probably haven't heard of him. His name is Kid Rock. And he said in one of his beautiful poems, Ba with the Ba. The bang a dang. Now, this is the important part. Diggy, diggy, diggy. Said the boogie. Said up jump. The boogie, and that's that's really what it's all about. You know, when you get right down to it, that's that summarizes everything. So I hope that you know you keep keep that in your heart. And it will help you out. Yes. 
Those those are words that can guide you through life. Yeah, yeah. Buddy! Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hmm? We, we really need to catch up on some Marvel. You've got to have finished She-Hulk by now. Oh, yes, I watched She-Hulk. Okay. And so... so I loved it. She-Hulk? Yes. Okay, good. But we got to back up, because you got to do Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, too. I saw Moon Knight, and I saw She-Hulk. I tried watching Miss Marvel, and I just... I had a hard time getting through it. I... If I was younger, I probably would have loved it, but now I'm just thinking, who's this brat who's not listening to her parents? <laughs> Which shows you, you know, the, the difference that, that age can uh, do to you. I really liked Moon Knight. I thought he needed to be more of a smartass. Yeah. But it, it, it did a really good job of explaining the mythology and, and all of that. And uh, She-Hulk just nailed the tone just right and i really dug that and uh you know wong has been in more movies than any other uh marvel character i believe it's wong who's been in more marvel movies than any other marvel character in more more movies i mean he's made more in appearances more, i i guess more see appearances that. yeah but he's basically just the glue that holds this entire universe together at this point. Yes, he is. And I'm down with that. Yes, he is. Couldn't get but into yeah, Miss Marvel, huh? No, I, I, I'm good. I decided to, to watch She-Hulk because I absolutely have just been gun-ho about watching that. And I loved it. And it was super fun. It was dumb fun. And I loved it. And I figure, you know, whenever I'm ready, I'll just go back. And watch Miss Marvel. I, I've already, I've already seen like the last ten minutes of it. I've already had the ending spoiled, so I'm gonna take my time getting through that. Yeah. Moon Knight is kind of why I want Marvel to stay to limited series. Yeah. And not really like a lot of the things they're putting out there doesn't really feel like it lends itself very well to a series. Yeah. And I think where I thought Moon Knight was pretty great, okay? Where I think where it winds up falling down a bit is everywhere where they were trying to set up for season two. Yeah. You know, so we play around with Jake Lockley without actually doing that story and yeah. it, it just takes away time from from the story they're trying to tell here yeah yeah that makes sense you know where they could do that at some other point yeah she hulk I, I think lends itself a lot better to having a season 2 yeah you know yeah. because it's already kind of fulfilling a lot of the things that I think we need in Marvel shows, getting different diverse characters. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, the world is so intricate, you know, that we really need to mix them up. So yeah. like, instead of a moon Knight two, 
Well, or a Loki two. Well, let's put them in together. Let's take those two, put them in something together, and send them off on another on their own limited series. Yeah. I'm really happy that they've added Waymond Wang from Everything Everywhere All at Once and also Goonies and Indiana Jones in the second season of Loki. I'm looking oh, forward really? to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's he's really having a renaissance, that man. Yes, he is. So and he and, deserves and for it. him. Well deserved. Yes. Well deserved. Very exciting. I am because so I have been holding on to my potatoes for decades now. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yes. I want to start off this episode of the Pope on Film podcast with a game. Okay. I feel like it's been a while since we've played a game here on the big shoe, and this is a good one. In fact, despite the uh, fact that we're currently doing this podcast every other week, which is really helping me with my mental health. Thank you, Bunny. I came up with this game the morning after we recorded our last podcast. Okay. Which was when I got deep AF about everything everywhere all at once. So this is the game. But before we get to the game, I'd like to talk a little bit about a company which is uh, very important to this game. Build-A-Bear Workshop was founded in 1997 when Maxine Clark, then president of Payless Shoe Source, which I still can't believe went out of business, <laughs> still blows me away. How am I supposed to annoy my kids for an entire Sunday afternoon now? <laughs> Very upset about this. Um... Build-A-Bear Workshop was founded in 1997 when Maxine Clark resigned as president of Payless Shoe Source to sell bears. Okay. Now in 2022, it is an international <coughs> company that frequently has collabs with various pop culture icons. So, this is the game. I will name a movie or a TV show or a specific movie or TV character, and you have to tell me if Build-A-Bear has ever made a bear of it before. Okay. I'm just going to be naming some names, some pop culture names, some famous names. Uh, famous people, famous TV characters, famous movie characters, and you have to tell me if they have ever done a bear of it are you do you got it funny are you ready i think i got it okay so let's start this off i have 30 30 so yeah so it, the 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 history of builder bear is crazy okay pikachu this is it this is the game <laughs> yeah this is the game this is the game okay pikachu because I was kind of kind of thinking of a person. Okay, no. Pikachu. Yeah, they did a Pikachu bear. Of course they did a Pikachu bear. Yes, you are correct. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, most certainly. Good job. You're doing good so far. Here's a tricky one. Charles Manson. I'm going to go yeah, because I totally would. 
no, they have not they done have not a, Charles... Made a Charles Manson bear. No, no. So you got two out of three so far. Okay. Okay. And now, after this, it starts getting complicated. Gumby. This is hard. Yeah, I'm going to go no on that because I can't see how you would do Gumby as a... Gumby is Gumby. Okay. Okay. Good job. Uh, They have never done a Gumby bear. The Riddler. I can see them doing a Riddler. Good job. Yes, they have done a Riddler bear. So far, you're uh, four for five. You're doing good. You're doing good. NBC's Seinfeld. one you really got to think about it i spent so many birthdays i have five kids so many birthdays i spent at build-a-bear warehouses so this is this is easier for like my wife my family it's harder for you i think when was the last time when was the last time you went to a build-a-bear workshop bunny williams I don't think I have ever actually been in a Build-A-Bear workshop, nor have I ever been in a Chuck E. Cheese. Really? Really? Man, you have not lived until you've gotten drunk and passed out in a Chuck E. Cheese ball pit. Uh, A fact. I'm going to go yes on Seinfeld. No. You are incorrect. Uh, Wait, what was your answer? I I said yes. Your answer was yes? Okay, yes, you are wrong. NBC's Friends. Oh, well, I gotta go no now, because I've just been burnt. Yes, they have done NBC's Friends. They have. Bears. Yes. Friends is everywhere now. So why wouldn't they do a Seinfeld? I don't know. I mean... But they've done... But... They are currently, if I'm not mistaken, currently doing the friends. You can get like a bear with a uh, uh, like a Thanksgiving turkey over its head. Yeah, you, you can get a turkey. You can get a bear that's carrying a couch and it says pivot. There's a couple of them. A, a bear that has no black friends. Yeah. 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 You're not allowed to make a black bear when you're making a friends bear. Uh, Number eight. Doctor Who. Yes. Yes, very good. They have done every doctor as a bear. Every, oh. every doctor, including number four with the scarf and the robot dog. Every doctor. Cookie Monster. Yes. Yes, they have done a Cookie Monster. Deadpool. Yes. Good job. They have done a Deadpool bear. Yes. John Cena. Yes. No, they have never done a John Cena bear before. We're on question 11. You've only gotten three wrong. I thought that you uh, would have a harder time with this. So you're doing pretty good. Number 12. I'm kind of going. I'm kind of going at like what is popular and then what specifically is popular for children. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of why I said yes on Seinfeld, because it was wildly popular, but I thought they might make a bear out of it. Doctor Who was a definite. John Cena is really popular with kids, so I thought John Cena, but... 
as far as I can tell, I, I, I searched and searched and searched. They've never done any WWE-related bears at the Build-A-Bear. They're missing out. They're missing out. I would love a, a Brock Lesnar bear that's like all roided out. I would be, I would be down with that. Number 12, Legolas. This really separates the men from the boys here. Uh, yes. Yes, they have. Good job, Bunny. Boba Fett. Yes. Yes, they have. Godzilla. Have they ever made a Godzilla Build-A-Bear? I'm going to go no on that one. Yes, they have. They, they have. don't make it anymore, but they have. I want it. <laughs> Teletubbies. Teletubbies? Mm-hmm. No. Good job. They have never made uh, Teletubbies. Although Teletubbies are back, it's streaming on something. Paramount Plus or Apple, I don't know. But Teletubbies are back. Squirrel Girl. No. Good job. They have never made a squirrel girl. Jack Skellington. Yes. Yes. Jack Sparrow. Yes. Yes. Jackie Chan. I am hoping no. Is that your final I'm answer? I'm going to say sir? no. Okay, um, I decided that for question 19, Jackie Chan, that whatever answer you give, I'm going to say yes. Because have they made an official Jackie Chan Build-A-Bear? No. But in 2010, Jackie Chan visited a Build-A-Bear and made two pandas and now takes them with him everywhere he goes. He made two pandas at Build-A-Bear. He named them, and now he travels. Anytime he's doing a movie or interviews, he travels with his two Build-A-Bears and gets pictures of famous people holding his two panda Build-A-Bears. He has pictures of his two Build-A-Bears being held by Jet Li, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bill Clinton. Okay. Bill Clinton has held Jackie Chan's favorite Build-A-Bears. So, although, so, although the bear has made some allegations about Bill Clinton, but it's being kept kind of quiet. The weird part is both of both of the Build-A-Bears have broken every bone in their body. <laughs> Which is weird. They don't even have bones. But like they had to go to the doctor is real messed up. Uh, number 20, Aquaman. Have they ever made an Aquaman Build-A-Bear? It's a tough one. No. You are correct. They never have made an Aquaman Build-A-Bear. Harley Quinn. Yes. Yes, they have. Good job. Neo. Neo. 
Neo. Neo, Neo. No. Are you ready to learn about the Matrix, No. I saw the new Matrix movie, The Matrix 4, Get Matrix Here, the day it came out. I could not tell you a single thing that happened in that movie. I keep, I, I keep at forgetting all. about it. The only thing I could tell you it. is that Doctor Horrible was in it, and uh, he was like a he was like a like psychiatrist. That's all I remember. I, I, hmm. I, I, I have realized that there is a level when it comes to stars and things like that, like. There's there's the star or whatever, and then if you drop down a level, you get to the level of, I thought you were dead. Yeah. For certain stars. Bella Lugosi. Like, I just found out Eleanor Donahue, still alive. Hmm. Thought she was hmm. dead. But I realized that there is a level just underneath that that is a bit worse. And that's the, I forgot you ever existed. Yeah. Yeah. Where somebody will pop up and, and it'll be like, you recognize their face, but they were never anybody. Yeah. And you probably haven't thought about them since the last time you've seen them. And it's like, wow. I completely forgot you existed. Uh, uh, Dave Thomas was everywhere for a while. The comedian and not the guy who owned Wendy's. Uh, honestly, it works either way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. But Dave Thomas was everywhere for a while. Martin Mull. Yeah, but see, they're not even up to these level because you can name them. Yeah. You know, but like the the the, the guy in rollerball who was James Khan's friend. Yes. And then you would see him pop up somewhere like wow. Oh hey, it's that guy. Totally forgot you were anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so question 22. Neo. Uh, Neo, I think I... Uh, n oh. Neo, no, 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 no. No, 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 no on the Neo. No. Yes, they have made a Neo Build-A-Bear before. Yeah? Yes, they did a whole series of Matrix Build-A-Bears. You could get like a... Just imagine just a cheesy uh, <laughs> uh, bear, but with Black wraparound sunglasses and a trench coat. And then the best part is every uh, Neo Build-A-Bear came with 40 guns. Okay. That were all loaded with live ammunition. It was crazy. It was crazy. But yes, they made a Neo. Vincent Van Gogh. No. They have. They have. Yes, it's a collaboration with the Van Gogh Museum, that like traveling thing that comes to different towns and just, yeah. Elvis Presley. Yes. Yes. Charlie Brown. Yes. Yes, they have. Good job. 
Michael Myers. Trying to picture what the hell Charlie Brown would look like as a bear. Trying to picture what the fuck a bald bear would look like. Yeah. Number 26, Michael Myers. All right, I need clarification here. Michael Myers, not Mike Myers. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Okay. Chi, 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 ha, 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 ha. I'm going to say yes. No, no, no. One note synthesizer music, Michael Myers. (laughs) No, they have not. And I was surprised by this because just getting some bears and putting like a hockey mask on one, putting a, a William Shatner mask on another one, it seems like a, like a, like a home run, but no, they've never done any uh, spooky ones like that. Cobra Kai. I hope no, but I'm going to say yes. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. You can get a, a bear with your choice of like a Danny LaRusso or like a other guy, sweep the leg guy. I cannot believe that we live in a world I again uh, uh, the Mandela effect I might be from another reality because I am blown away at the fact that Pee Wee Herman as a vampire became a long running beloved TV show yes and also uh, you mean to tell me it's 2022 and the Karate Kid is cool again and I what? don't, I don't know why. I find, I find it personally me. I find it really kind of pathetic. It's freaking weird. It's freaking weird. This Halloween, I saw so many people dressed up in like uh, Karate Kid outfits, and it's like this is a thing again. That's so weird. It's I, like if all of a sudden Kim Kardashian was really into pogs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I watched the first two seasons because I just binge-watched it to, you know, I just binge-watched it. Um, and I was like, get over high school. Get yeah. over it. Yeah. Get over it already. Freaking weird. You're okay. fucking grown-ups. Yeah. Daniel LaRusso is selling used cars. I the the only thing I'm happy about is that dude's getting work again. Good for you. Yeah. What was his name? Ralph Macchio? Yes, Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good for you, Ralph Macchio. Other than that, I absolutely don't care. Uh, I rewatched uh, the Karate Kid three in February of this year. Yeah. That movie was horrible. So they went but, downhill real fucking quick. Yeah, they did. I mean, the second one was barely passable. Yeah. Also, to be fair, um, I hate the Karate Kid movies. You play any of the songs from that, and I will sing along like a drunk woman in a strip club. 
uh, on during a bachelor party. Okay. If suddenly, you know, so like, many Republican senators. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Many Republican senators. Uh, number twenty-eight. We're nearing the end of the quiz. The Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Yes, they have. I can now, almost one, picture that one. Yeah. Now this one. I Family think it's one warning. of the hardest. Okay. This one, I think, is one of the hardest. Number 29. Really think about it. Think about the pros and the cons. Jesus. Well, I'm going to say no, because they didn't make a Charles Manson one, and they're virtually the same bear. But it's Easter... You can get like a, like a, yeah, like Easter bunny bear, a Jesus bear, a Roman centurion bear. You can get like a, like a, you can get a cross to crucify your bear. And then you <laughs> leave it at the build a bear. And then three days later, your bear comes to life. Okay. After having died in the build a bear. No, they haven't made a Jesus. Okay. But I, I I ran this quiz. There is by... potential. Once you once you said Easter, I was like, Ooh, yeah. I yeah. might be uh, so wrong here. Uh I ran this uh quiz by uh Emerald and uh Mal and my wife, and Jesus was the one that they got tripped up on the most. Really? Yeah. Uh Number 30, here's the last one. This one's also hard. Gigi Allen. Gigi Allen? Who the fuck is Gigi Allen? You don't know who Gigi Allen is? No. Oh, my God, Bunny. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. You don't know who Gigi Allen is. Okay. Quick Google search. Gigi Allen. 16 gruesome things you might not know. Article from Louder. Ultra controversial Gigi Allen. Here are some crazy facts about the scum lover himself. Of course, the first picture is him covered in blood. Um, His real name was Jesus Christ Allen. His brother started calling him Gigi because he couldn't pronounce Jesus. Uh, Alan's controversial stage act included such low-key practices as the consumption of fecal matter and self-mutilation. His lyrics were renowned for being anything but politically correct. For proof, just read the words to his songs, Ass Fuckin', uh, Die When You Die, Butt Suckin', uh... Uh, Alan introduced his famed poop punk stage movement in 1985 at a show in Peoria, Illinois, where he literally and deliberately shat himself on stage. There was a near riot as people tried to get away from the stench. In 1989, Alan said he would commit suicide on stage on Halloween that year, but he was in jail, so he was unable to carry out his threat. Uh, Alan died from a heroin overdose on June 28th, 1993 
After all his suicide threats, it was accidental. Uh, if you are so inclined, a G.G. Allen bobblehead toy is available to purchase online. So here's the question. Have they made a G.G. Allen Build-A-Bear? After hearing all of that, I've definitely got to go yes. I mean, of course they have. It's the only Build-A-Bear that, that literally... You, you buy the Build-A-Bear, you put it by your bed, and you go to sleep. And when you wake up, it's really cute. The G.G. Allen bear has shit all over you. Yes. It's, it's really amazing. The level of authenticity. No, they haven't made a G.G. Allen. Or it's uh, hanging from a noose tied to the lamp. Okay, so I think that that was a lot of fun. So out of 30, let's see how many you got right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21. You got 21 out of 30 right. That is pretty good. Uh, good job for you, Maxwell. Uh, uh, Maxwell. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bunny. I'm really high right now. Uh, I've been doing these pills lately. Uh, they're by a company called 1906, and they're uh, Bliss Pills. Okay. Bliss Drops, 20 plant-based pills for happiness. 100 milligrams of THC and 100 milligrams of CBD. A stimulating blend of uh, euphoria-inducing plant medication and cannabis to promote a bubbly sense of well-being an extroverted happiness. They're freaking awesome. They have a bunch of other pills. There's one for uh, for going to sleep. There's one for love that's supposed to make you aroused. I haven't tried that one. One to keep you up like energy pills. There's a genius pill. There's a pill called chill, which I'll never try again. It's basically a roofie for me. But this stuff is really cool. It just makes me kind of happy and kind of out of it. And I'm still able, I'm a little bit high, but I'm still able to, you know, go about my day. It's pretty cool. I really dig it. I, 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 I'm going to have to see if those are available. Yeah, they're it's awesome. 100 milligram per pill? Uh, no, uh, total. It's total. Ooh, really? That kind of sucks. But uh, one package is uh, 20 pills. So, yeah, usually I take one or two and and yeah, I'm good. It's awesome. I yeah. also just See, got I, some... I get I get 50 milligram gummies. So I take two of those. That's 100 milligrams. Yeah. Just in one trip. shot for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm developing more of a tolerance. So. Back in the day, taking one of those would have just wiped me out, but now I'm getting more of a tolerance. So if that was 100 milligrams in a pill, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. Because, again, I so, still don't like the taste of marijuana. Yeah. So I yeah, don't so that's, chew them. Yeah. So I that's why the, the pills might be good down. for you. Yeah. yeah. So the pills might be good for you. Uh, so that is it for the monologue this week. That was a fun game. Really want to get my hands on the Godzilla Build-A-Bear. Uh, we are going to be taking a short break because we do this on Zoom and we have two minutes and 38 seconds, but we are going to take a short, short break. And when we come back, it's time for Steve's historic approximations. 
Uh, really excited about this one. It's a fun one. We're going to be talking about TV shows, game shows, a uh, famous TV doctor, and uh, Martha Stewart shoving things up her asshole. Okay. So, uh, so that's going to be our chap. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. It's it's a lot of fun. I I tried it out on a bunch of people in the house, and they dug it. So uh, we will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this short, short, wee little break. Do 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 do. Gigi Allen originally wrote the theme to Sesame Street too. Which is weird. Not a lot of people know that. Okay. But originally, you know, it's a, uh, can you tell me how to get, how to get to Sesame Street? And then he rubs shit all over himself. Uh-huh. That was the original theme song. Uh, and then like, and then like, he starts hitting women in the audience. It's crazy. Crazy. The original. With Sesame Cookie Street Monster. Song. With Cookie Monster. Yeah. Um, do 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 and break or cut. I'm scared. Are you scared? I'm I'm really really scared. You're scared. This is my impression of Jigsaw if he was an eight-year-old child. Hello, Mom and Dad. I'd like to play a game. Do you, do you have any games on your phone that I could play, please? I like the Kitos. Rebels! Rebels! You can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. You ready? And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? It's really sweeping the nation. I mean, look how many people are watching this right now live on Twitch. 
8.2 thousand. Sure, the screen only says that like two or three are showing, but that's just liberal bias for you. How many can this room hold? I mean, that's the question oh. I have. I get worried and like, what happens when it hits maximum density? One time last uh, year, back when my wife would regularly stream on Twitch, she, she, uh, she, we got on and we were just drinking and spending time together. And, uh, we ended up getting like, like a thousand people watching us just really? randomly. Yeah. Uh, one of my daughters explained it to me that sometimes a popular room will be streaming and then the room will shut down. So then the, whatever system will say, Hey, now that you're done, here are some other rooms you can go into. And one of them just happened to be uh, Natasha and I drunk uh, streaming. And so that was weird. But yeah, it, you can get you can get some people. Uh, OK, uh, no doubt you're a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on film. I mean, who is it? But only the true fans, the real hardcore fans who have been with us since day one would know the two basic facts about the both of us. Two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that when you're not doing this podcast, you work with crocodiles, which always blew my mind. So tell yes. me, Bunny, how do you get started in the field of crocodile hugging? Crocodile hugging. Um, it, <laughs> it is, it is, it is just from my deep, deep love of crocodiles, uh, that makes me want, cause they're the ones that have the, the pointier snout. That's yeah. a crocodile. Uh, they often don't like being hugged. So you have to kind of sneak up on them, jump on their back, and get in a really good hug before they try to take your face off. Because whereas I am a big fan of crocodile hugging, that does not go for the crocodile themselves. It's very yeah. sad that, you know, I wish they could open up more, you know? And feel so. free to express their feelings and be who they are and and feel comforted by a hug. But unfortunately, that is not the case. So uh, sometimes there are tranquilizers that are involved in the hugging process, you know, basically. Huh. For you or you, for the crocodile? Well, basically, you have to roofie the crocodile. You know, to get in there and get a good hug. Uh, or, you know, whatnot. Yeah. You know, once, uh, once they pass out, one thing leads to another. Who exactly. knows? Exactly. Uh, and forget about it if there's a full moon out. Yeah. Uh, that one was written by Max, by the way, just to let you know, my 11-year-old came up with uh, 
crocodile hugging. And the second fact, which is about me, is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I do at this point of the podcast is I found a story. I find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own special, unique storytelling style. And that is what this segment is: another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's historic approximations. Dun dun. Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone else likes likes it or not. Now, personally, I like the name Shap. I just think it sounds cute. Uh, now, small programming note. These Shaps are not 100% exactly what happened in history, primarily because I enjoy putting words in people's mouths. So I would say it's about 93.7% exactly what happened. It's like they say, yeah. 50% of the time, it works every time. Yeah. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing a famous TV personality, the TV game show that they pissed off, and the birth of pop psychology. This is going to be fun. But first, semi-unrelated, but also somewhat related. Can we both just pause this chap so that we can take a moment to shit on Dr. Oz? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Although the chap has me intrigued quite a bit. But okay. yes. Please, let's uh, take a big steaming dump okay. on Dr. Oz. Fuck Dr. Oz. He's not even... He's not even... And... And he had people voting for him to be, you know, a representative of Philadelphia. He's not even from Philadelphia. He's not even from America. No. It it drives me nuts that people were like, oh, President Barack Hussein Obama, he's not an American. He's a foreigner. But then those people will happily vote for Cuban-born Ted Cruz. Yes. And non-American citizen Dr. Mehmet Oz. That blows my mind. The Republican hypocrisy. Yes. That'd be a great name for a band, Republican hypocrisy. One, two, three, four. Uh, okay. So this chap is a this chap is about a woman. And for suspense purposes, I will be censoring the first name. Kind of like our last chap regarding the invention of Salisbury steak, which I really loved. So her name for the beginning of this chap is J. Diane Bauer. She was born in Brooklyn in 1927. Hey, I'm birthing here. <laughs> so I, I'm really proud of that. I was really happy to, to do that. Fun fact, this famous TV personality her father raised her and treated her as a boy, even going so far as to call her by a male name. So famous TV personality, secret trans icon, non-binary hero, the argument could be made. Anywho, she double majored at Cornell with honors, then went on to Columbia University, where she got an MA and later a doctorate in psychology. Psychology. So now... She's going places, two degrees, an MA degree, and a doctorate. 
So it's safe to say that Dr. Bauer, super smart, crazy smart, hella smart. We're clear on that, right? Yes. Okay. Now let's put a pin on that. Put a pin on Dr. Bauer. And we are moving on to an old school, old timey game show. Specifically, the $64,000 question. Okay. A wildly popular TV game show in America, which aired on CBS from 1955 to 1958 until a scandal forced it and all of the big money game shows off of the air. I'm not going to get too deep into the game show scandal because what happened in this particular shop happened way before the scandal broke. But the gist of the scandal was in the 1950s, the most popular thing on TV were big money quiz shows. There were a ton of them. And surprise, surprise, a bunch of them were rigged. The most famous one being the NBC show 21 and handsome man Charles Van Doren beating fat loser Herbert Stemple. Yada, yada, yada. There's a movie about it. I really like it. It's from 1994 and it's called Quiz Show. You should watch it. It was nominated for four Oscars and won zero. Well, 1994's Ed Wood won two Oscars, which is one Oscar more than Pulp Fiction won on the same year. And I will mention that every freaking chance I get. <laughs> but anywho, a lot of the popular big money quiz shows were rigged in one way or another, where it's like, okay, we're going to ask you these random questions now. Just kidding. They aren't random. We're picking these because we're trying to F with you. Um, the $64,000 question wasn't an, an exemption, an exception to uh, a lot of these game shows being rigged. One of the big issues with the big money game shows of the time was that you, it, 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 we're in the 50s here. Uh, TV hasn't been around for that long. And back in the day, back then, a television show's sponsor had a lot more say in what was on the show they were sponsoring. It's it's not just uh, the $64,000 question. It's Revlon presents... Yes. The $64,000 question brought to you by Revlon. You know, so... So in the case of the show 21, the sponsor Geritol was all, look, this Herbert Stemple guy, he's really smart, and he keeps winning, and uh, he's like a genius. The only problem is, he's ugly, and he sweats like a whore in church, and the audiences don't like him. So we need to get him off the show, either force him out, pay him out get him to lose on purpose, give the other guy the right answers. We got to get this big, sweaty behemoth off of the show. And that brings us back to the $64,000 question, and it's sponsor, Revlon the Cosmetics Company. Earlier, um, before the $64,000 question, Revlon's rival was named Hazel Bishop. Apparently, they were a cosmetics company, or still are. I don't know. Okay. But uh, Hazel Bishop sponsored the show This Is Your Life, and that made Hazel Bishop a crap ton of money. So the head of Revlon signed off, signed off on being a sponsor for the $64,000 question. 
Now, I'm looking up the history of Revlon, and I was sad to see that the founder of Revlon was a guy named Charles Revson. That pisses me off. You would think it would be Charles Revlon. No, it's Charles Revson. Then why is the company Revlon and your Revson? It just kind of pisses me off. So for the rest of the chef, we're going to rename him. Funny. What is the name of the founder of Revlon? Uh, Charles Revlon. Okay. Charles James. James. Von Revlon. He's from the old country. Revlon the third. Okay. And he has a dueling scar. Yes, yes. His grandfather was one of uh, 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 Scotland's premier horse masturbators. And that's Ah. what started him in making blush and lipstick. So, So as everyone's Ray Meland. Ray Meland. Of course, the Ray Meland horse erotica that this uh, podcast is so fond of. Now, everyone knows that the founder of the Revlon Cosmetics Company is a man named Charles James Von Revlon III. He's from the old country. So Charles James Von Revlon III, he has control over the show, the $64,000 question. And he is just like, okay, if we're going to have people on this show, let's get beautiful people. Beautiful people that represent my beautiful cosmetics company, Revlon. Named after me, Charles James Von Revlon III. So uh, we want beautiful people to be on and win this cosmetic-sponsored game show. And now go ahead and go back a few minutes and unpin the pin from before because Charles James Von Revlon III is about to meet his worst nightmare, a highly educated young woman from Brooklyn who never wears makeup, it's our girl, Dr. Bauer. Of course, it's uh, the 1950s. 1955, I believe. And and so our girl, Dr. Bauer, has uh, met, has settled down and married a doctor named Milton, and she took his last name. So by the time she appears on TV screens nationwide, she's not Dr. Bauer. She's Dr. Joyce Frickin' Brothers! Boom! Big reveal! Oh. I'm a pickle, Morty! I'm a pickle! Yeah. Dr. Joyce Brothers. So the $64,000 question in its first year. It's in its first year. And so far, only one contestant has won it all so far. Dr. Joyce Brothers, at this point in her in her life, is 28 years old. She's a doctor. Her husband wants to be a doctor, is also like a med student sort of a person. But at the moment, he is a medical intern who is only making $50 a month. Plus, Dr. Joyce Brothers has had recently uh, given birth to their first child so dr joyce brothers and her husband milton both have a three-year-old daughter but he's only pulling in 50 dollars a month in 1955 they are broke af 
Yeah. They're basically living in poverty. They are destitute. Uh, I don't know what people, what poor people did in black and white. Sold pencils on the street, I think. Sold papes. That's it. And uh, I, I don't know what else they did, but super Pretty sure it's just prostitution, the same as always. Yeah. So they're living, they're basically destitute and they're desperate. So she decides to try and become a contestant on the $64,000 question. She sends in a letter that explains who she is, sends in a picture. She gets an interview. And at the $64,000 question, the way they did it was they would get experts, professionals, doctors, experts in various fields, but they would be quizzed on things that they were not experts on. Uh-huh. So, so the producers and the Revlon people would be like, okay, so you are a celebrated musical composer. Great. We're going to give you a list of things, and you can choose which one you would like to be quizzed on. Dog breeding, cooking, um, underwater basket weaving, that sort of thing. So it would be like if I was on the $64,000 question, I would be quizzed on the NFL or the Fast and the Furious movies, or I'd be quizzed on having a small penis. I don't know any of those things. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about any of those. I would be lost. So, like, like, uh, what would you be quizzed on, Bunny, if you were on the $64,000 question? Oh. What is the opposite of Bunny? I would definitely be quizzed on the NFL cars. Catholic Saints, maybe? There's a shit. Yeah, I'm not that bad with Catholic Saints. Okay. Not great, but not bad. G.I. Uh, Joe characters. And the uh, rock band Kiss. That's it. Fucking kiss. Um, the thing that I love about Kiss, the only thing I love about Kiss is that they said all four members of the band are going to make their own album and you can buy them all at the same time. Like anyone is going to buy a Kiss album that is not like Paul Stanley or, or uh, Hyman Wiss, whatever is it. Why do I know his real name, but not his actual Gene Simmons? Yes. But if you get all four of those solo albums that they released at once, the only song that anyone even remotely knows is uh, Back in a New York Groove. Which I believe was done by the bassist or the drummer of Kiss from his solo album, Peter Chris. Oh, man. And it's a cover. And it's the only, out of the four albums, that's the only one, that's the only album that I believe had a song that charted. <laughs> I find that, fa I love that song. There's a deleted scene from Infinity War where uh, Thanos kidnaps Gamora and so Peter Quill is unsure what to do. So he's just in his ship 
listening to New York Groove over and over again. Because apparently that's like his thinking song. So he's just listening to New York Groove over and over again. I'm back, back in a New York Groove. And so finally Drax gets pissed off and takes the cassette off and they start chasing each other around the ship. Put that song back. I am sick of listening to these people. So I love New York group. Um, so Dr. Joyce is given a number of manly topics for her to pick from. Uh, basically, uh, the founder of Revlon, who of, whose name, of course, is Charles James von Revlon III, he was like, Hey, let, all right, let's give this dainty, fragile little snowflake of a housewife some real manly topics to choose from. This lady never wears makeup, so this way we'll give her a bunch of manly topics she knows nothing about. That way we can make sure she loses, because I don't want this non-makeup-wearing hag to be on my cosmetic show. Okay, toots, here are the topics you can choose from. Football, baseball, scratching your balls, listening to Joe Rogan, never washing a pair of jeans, and, I don't know, friggin' boxing. And so, Dr. Joyce Brothers chooses boxing. Okay. Her topic is boxing, and this is how the $64,000 question would do it. Okay, so your topic is boxing. Good luck. We'll be taping in about a month. Okay. So. Dr. Joyce goes freaking beast mode. She she's got a photographic memory. So she tracks down a 20 volume boxing encyclopedia and reads that bitch cover to cover. She studies boxing with boxing journalists and a former Olympic gold medal winner in boxing. She gets years and years of old issues of Ring Magazine and reads those cover to cover. Beast mode. Plus, her uh, intern husband loves boxing. So by the time of the cameras roll, our girl basically is the Michael Jordan of Evil Knievels, of Mike Tyson's, of Stephen Hawking, of freaking boxing. <laughs> now, to be fair, she has a massive knowledge of the sport of boxing. Sadly, we never got to see her box. No. Anybody. So, uh, but I think it's safe to say that with her insane boxing knowledge. Well, I think she can knock Dr. Ruth on her ass. Oh, yeah. I and think that's the I fight think, uh, I would like to see. Yeah, I do. I do think that, like, she has a photographic memory. She did so much studying. She, she basically is the female Mike Tyson. But yes. she just decided never to get into the ring and bring the hurt. Like, even though we never saw her fight, you know that she would have kicked ass because she's got skills. In much the same way, I've also never seen Martha Stewart sneak drugs into a prison by shoving a bag full of drugs up her asshole. But we know she can do it. Yes. She's done the time. Yes, she has. She knows how to pass a kite from one cell to another to get the good shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> so she goes on the show. And then back then, this is weird. I, I learned this, and this, this blew me away. 
unlike game shows now, it, it wasn't just one show, one episode. Here's one person. We are going to add, be asking all, all of these questions in one thing. No, it would take weeks of episodes for someone to win. It would take approximately five episodes for someone to win it all on this show. They ask you questions like, oh, here's the $5 question. Here's the $12 question, yada, yada, yada. By the time they get to the 4,000s, I don't I I need to track down some episodes of the six, the original $64,000 question cuz I have a hard time believing this. But according to Wikipedia, when they got to the 4,000 range, they would just ask a question an episode. Really? How the heck do you do that? I don't get it, but anyway, that's how they would do it. So we would take Five episodes for someone to win it all on the show. And remember, by the time Dr. Joyce Brothers gets on the screen, only one person has ever won the $64,000 question. So uh, imagine the anger of Revlon's founder, who, once again, his name was Charles James von Revlon III. He's from the old country. Because... He's having to see five whole weeks of a woman not wearing makeup on Revlon's hit game show. Yes. It's driving Charles James Von Revlon III from the old country, the founder of Revlon Cosmetics, driving him up the freaking walls. So he gets pissed and he goes, All right, sick of seeing this makeupless lady on my show. We got to rig this shit. We cannot have a woman with no makeup win my game show. Yes. So this is what Charles James von Revlon III, the founder of Revlon from the old country, this is what he did. He changed the questions. From boxing questions to very difficult, detailed questions about refereeing boxing matches. Okay. Trying to catch uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers for a loop because that's how pissed the founder of Revlon is about Dr. Joyce being successful. Uh, but did that stop our girl, Dr. Joyce? Heck no. She nailed it, of course. Every question. And would go on to become the second person ever to win it all in the $64,000 question. And here is a crazy postscript to this story that I did not know. Okay, so Dr. Joyce Brothers is considered the most famous person to ever win in the $64,000 question because she parlayed that into a longtime TV personality career. I mean, in the 80s, she was everywhere. Her and Dr. Ruth were just everywhere in the 80s, and, and she was just a well-known name, but um, so I am blown away with this. Dr. Joyce Brothers, boxing winner, in the $64,000 question, one year later, she would get a TV show, but not what you might think. In 1956, she became the co-host of a sports program 
called the Sports Showcase, meaning Dr. Joyce Brothers was one of the first female sports commentators ever. Wow. I had no freaking clue. At all. That blew me away. You mean to tell me Dr. Joyce Brothers was a famous sports announcer? That blows my mind. But yeah, I guess it makes sense because she won in the boxing category. So she would like be chosen to like, hey, come over here and uh, announce this uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fight. And she would go and do that. And then af- after... And how uh, exactly uh, would she feel about that? Like, I guess it's good to have a job and probably a good paying job. But it's not like she really likes boxing. Yeah. No, her husband likes boxing. But, like, I'm not going to become a master of Supernatural because of my wife. But, okay. But, uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? And then after she did the sports show, then she got an advice column, and then she got a uh, a TV show and started going on shows like Hollywood Squares and Johnny Carson's Tonight Show and whatnot. And Dr. Joyce Brothers became a widely successful TV personality. She is, at this moment, credited with being one of the first people on television to explain complicated psychological terms to the general American public that that thanks to Joyce's brothers and her columns and being on TV and being on the today show and Hollywood squares and this and that she was one of the first people to be out there with normal people saying, Hey, um, your psyche, your inner turmoil, inner child, all of these sort of things. A lot of the the psychiatric terms that we all know now, she kind of helped popularize those in the public yeah. consciousness. Uh, and yeah, she, she went on to become a wildly successful TV personality, but it all started with a broke mom on a fairly crooked TV game show. Dr. Joyce Brothers was a rags-to-riches freaking badass. Yes. I I am shocked by this awesome story. You, when you think of Dr. Joyce Brothers, you don't think of like, man, she was like waiting in line in soup kitchens and stuff. Struggling to keep her family fed and desperately went on a game show in a way to make a little bit of money and yeah. turned mm-hmm. into America's top psychologist freaking good for you you go girl hashtag girl <laughs> boss dang and uh i know that this is something that i normally say at the end of every shaft but i am shocked that people don't know this story that people don't know more about how much of an awesome badass dr joyce brothers was this she's awesome yes yeah, Hats like uh, the Dr. Joyce brothers. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Ruth was everywhere, but like she was a lover, not a fighter. Yes. Uh Dr. <laughs> Joyce brothers, she would she would fuck up a bitch. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So that is it for Steve's historic approximations this week. 
Be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations! And cut on that. Well, Bunny, we've got a little bit of uh, uh, running running down, running out the meter. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah? Okay. How was your Thanksgiving, Bunny? It was it was nice. It was nice. Uh watched the parade again. You know, there were there was there was some sort of a storm that caused us to stop having TV signals. Yeah. Uh a couple of months ago and I never bothered to fix it. So like the day before Thanksgiving, I just got like some tape and some pliers and a knife and it's like I am going to be outside on the roof going through the walls I'm going to make it so that we have TV so that I can watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it took like an hour of work and like like doing wires and wire work and, and all of this. But we, yeah, we, we got the TV and we watched the, the big parade. Nice. As a family, it's one of the few family traditions that my family has uh, from my parents. Yes. So big fan of it. Uh, very emotional Thanksgiving for me. I've been through a lot this year. Don't want to get into the specifics. No. But I've been through a lot. And, uh, yeah, I've just been really, uh, emotional this holiday season. I'm not looking forward to Christmas or the days after Christmas. I don't know what I'm going to do on New Year's. Yeah. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I am happy at at the fact that I can just do as much weed as I want. That's nice uh, legally. Uh, hi, honey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Where's Amber? We need her. Why do you need Amber? The owner of the horse is there, and I wanted to go talk to him. Oh, yeah. Okay. My hair looks amazing right now. Uh, I want to say I appreciate you, Bunny. Thank you. Uh, I am thankful for you. And uh, I am very high. We are going to sadly have to talk about this week's movie. You could stand it. You would watch it again. It's just two dudes and freaking radio static. That's all it is. Save it. We're almost there. Save it. Okay. Okay. And to think, I thought it might be a good idea to do a Mark Polonia summer. Fuck you, Mark Polonia. (laughs) Because the guy who made this is the same guy who did Virus Shark. We'll be talking about that. Yes. But, uh, yes. Uh, So, let's... Oh, I, I, I have a... I have a vasectomy scheduled for January. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get a vasectomy. And I am excited about that. Because I feel that a lot of times in society, a lot of men think that it is the woman's job to 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 sort of be in charge of the... Uh, Child 
what's the word I'm looking for? Emerald Ch child. Be held accountable. And uh, child, child birth stopping. There's a word that I'm, no, n not aborting. In, anyway, it, uh, it, vasectomies are reversible. And I've got strong boys. And uh, let me tell you something. It was really fun to be in a doctor's office where they do vasectomies and to have the nurse come out and to call my last name. And I stand up as a beautiful woman. <laughs> the look on the nurse's face was freaking wonderful. And she leads me into the waiting room and I'm sitting down and I'm still finishing my paperwork. And she goes, so according to our paperwork, this is for a vasectomy consultation. Is that correct? Or and I let the or play out for a while. Yeah. Just because I could tell that she was nervous. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a vasectomy. I'm I'm a trans woman. And she goes, okay, 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 good. Okay. <laughs> and so that was a bunch of fun. I'm excited about oh, that. I don't think I do appreciate her checking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I I I wasn't expecting the doctor uh to I I was just getting a vasectomy consultation. I wasn't expecting the doctor to um survey the landscape. Yeah. I I wasn't expecting that, but uh, it was a bit odd to have to uh, take off my yoga pants and lift up my dress so the doctor could check the area. I was not <laughs> used to that. I have only been a woman for about a year and a half. I'm. It's a work in progress, people. Learning curve. Yes. So anyway, I'm excited about January. It's going to be a bunch of fun. The doctor said, oh, you're going to have to be really lazy and stay on the couch for a week or two. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I, and I can still do weed. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, man. So when yeah. when I got mine. My doctor had prescribed me one volume. Uh, and I was like, what am I supposed? What's this for? Yeah, it's like. Well, to calm you down before the procedure. Like, I have, you don't I know have who that. you're fucking with, okay? You, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. maybe six, and I'll be calm. An ass put on a lion skin 
and went bouncing around the forest parallel. Scaring the foolish beasts by brooks and by rocks. Till at last, he tried to scare Bob. But Bob, hearing from beneath the main, that raucous voice, so petulant, so vain. Alas, Bob too will run away. But that Bob knows your old familiar prey. That's just the way with asses. That's just. Hello, everybody. It's me, Reverend Steve. I am nervous because I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beverage that might kill me. There was a TV show called Dallas. Dallas was a soap opera that originally premiered in April of 1978 as a miniseries. But the miniseries was so popular that in September of 1978, they decided to turn it into a short one-season TV show. It became so popular that it ran from 1978 to 1991. One character, uh, Bobby Ewing, was killed off, but he was so popular that they decided to make his death a dream. Really stupid. And then, of course, the, the main character was sort of the, the patriarch of the family. His name was J.R. Ewing. In the 1980s, they made a beer. Premium beer. J.R. Ewing's private stock came out in the year 1980. And it says on the bottom here, if you have to ask how much my beer costs, you probably can't afford it. I purchased very cheaply a six-pack of this. One had a hole in it, and it was empty. But the other five were still open and sealed. And so I put this in the fridge for a while, and I'm going to drink it. Surprisingly, I posted about this on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, I've got this 41-year-old beer. Who wants to see me try it? And the answer was a big, resounding, no, are you serious? You could die which I wasn't expecting from Twitter, but I basically got shamed. And uh, so I'm going to open this. This is weird. Do you see this? How, how do I? Ooh, look at that. That's the weirdest. Huh? The old V8? Yeah, it's like V8. Okay. So, um, all right. No, I didn't shake it. I'm going to drink a 41-year-old beer now, so Pinky's up for the classy stuff. So, okay. Hmm. First off, it tastes dusty. <laughs> There might be a little dust on the bottom. But when you get past that, okay, so you know when when you're like young, when you're like in your 20s, and you're like, I'm going to go get beer. You're talking about this. The cheapest beer imaginable. Okay, 
So so there's like there's like cheap beer that will burn your mouth because it's horrible. And then there's cheap beer where it's like Mickey's. Eh, that's what this is. This isn't bad. But it's also not good. It 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 tastes alright. Tastes alright. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. It tastes cheap. It doesn't taste as uh, as uh, premium as J.R. Ewing from the hit show Dallas. But no, this is all right. This is pretty good. I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, this isn't that bad. It's cheap and dusty. But I've I've drank cheap and dusty beer before. You know, go into some sketchy convenience store and they have a ninety-eight cent uh pint of some beer you've never heard of before, and you buy that, that's what this tastes like. Uh it's not that bad. Not that bad. It's alright. This is a weird video. But hey, thanks for watching. And if you're watching this during the podcast, hey, break time. Buddy and I are peeing. I had some crazy nicknames back in the 70s. But all those friends died in the 80s. I wonder who else I can call. Hello? Hey, I'm cute. What's your name? Nancy? Oh, hi, Nancy. Stand by your window so I can see you. You stand a million miles away. Oh, I'm sorry, hon. I'm not allowed to have windows uh, court-ordered. So, um, you sound kind of foxy. Uh, but it's not too personal. When was the last time you had sex? Coming up on the seventh day. It's okay, I checked in as the record's Listen, I know who he is. Uh, you know who, who what is? The killer. What killer? What the hell are you battling about? And if he gets me, I'm pretty sure you're next. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what kind of shit are you getting me into, Pumpkin? Just give me some help nailing the guy when I bring him out. What are you battling about? My dream. What? <laughs> If I can't, then you can all relax, because it's just a case of me being nuts. Yeah, and for, and for some reason, this is really turning me on. Then you won't mind cold-cocking this guy when I bring him out. What? You heard me. I grab the guy in my dream. You see me struggling, so you wake me up. We both come out, you whack the fucker, and we got him. Um, Pumpkin... Please, please explain to me what you mean by whacked. Just meet me at my porch when you're not looking. Oh, and meanwhile, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. 
Okay, Pumpkin, you're freaking me out, but for some reason, I'm also finding you very attractive. So, uh, how about you and me be girlfriend and boyfriend, huh? <laughs> this week. Go back to the movie. Webs in the sunset, long walks on the pavement, and hiding in shoes. And I'm looking for a special female. And girl, not everyone sees you the way I do. So let me look deep inside all eight of your beautiful eyes. And I don't see human like other people do. I see a glorious spider, baby. Yeah. So I want to let you know. I play spider with you all night long. Shimmy here, up next to me, and do that stanky spider dance you do. So shake that Sephora thorax and your abdomen too. Ah, girl. Come on, come on, be my spider, baby. Yeah. Be my spider, baby. Come on, come on. When a male spider tries to show you what he's made of And I gotta let you know I don't mind dying For just one night of sweet spider love If that's what it takes to get near you, girl A hungry female may consume any invertebrate that comes along Including her suitors But baby, but baby, I don't mind Because you're truly worthy You're worth it, baby my pedipals are palpitating, circulating. I could be perspirating, but I can't because I got an ectoskeleton. But that don't matter now. Nah. So let me be your daddy, baby. Hopelessly tangled up in your silky web. Let me kiss your fangs before you jump off my head. Yeah. Species. Females eat the males after sweet, sweet love. But I don't mind. Nah. You see, I got eight boots on my legs for knocking. I notice you do too. Spider baby rocking all night long. You see, even spider love is blind. Come on. Ooh. 
mold and mildew at its roots, leaving an invisible antimicrobial shield so it won't grow back. It's odorless, too. For the safe way to defend your home from mold and mildew, Concrobium. And don't forget to protect against musty odors and moisture damage with Concrobium Moisture Grabbers. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. There's an urban legend attached to the house and the elf, the doll, and that is anyone who touches it becomes possessed by its spirit will befall a deadly fate. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. It's time, Bunny! It is time. 
Yes, Bunny, my friend. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to uh, Charleston and Madison our way into the second half of our big shoe. And it is said second half, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new low-fat, zero-carbs, non-GMO, all-natural, and made with Bunny Williams' own secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. Uh... Movie of the week. I lost my place for a second there. And this week, we're beginning the Christmas season with a look at the 2021 horror film, Hell on the Shelf, Deck the Halls with Death. I'm looking at this poster that you've got here. There is not a there is hardly a single freaking child in this movie. No. It's just three dudes, one of whom is the director. Yes. Uh, so, Bunny, on a scale from 9 to 10, how much did you love this cinematic masterpiece? Uh, how many How many times did you, you cry? 9.2. Yeah, yeah, it moved me too. Now, before we discuss the ins and outs of this celluloid treasure, this masterpiece amongst films. Uh, we need to go a few episodes back, five episodes to be precise, back to episode 438, the last episode of our summer of COVID exploitation. We watched the movie Virus Shark, directed yes. by Mark Polonia, the new king of crap. How many movies, Bunny, do you think he directed in 2021? Oh, we kind of went through that the last time uh, a, a lot. He directed eight movies in 2021 alone. This guy cranks out crappy low-budget movies, gets them on Amazon Prime and Tubi in the cheap DVD bin at Walmart, and makes a nice paycheck. So good for Mark Polonia. He's found a way to get a paycheck. He's a modern-day Roger Corman, but, you know, without the talent. Um, I'd like to read some of the films, the countless films that Mark Polonia has directed. Okay? Yes. Okay. Amityville Death House. Amityville Island. Amityville Exorcism. Amityville in space. That's my <laughs> favorite. I'm surprised he hasn't done the Amityville Goes West yet. But... There's also Virus Shark, Doll Shark, Jurassic Shark, Sharkula, Sharkenstein, Jurassic Shark 2, Aquapocalypse, Land Shark, and my favorite, Shark Encounters of the Third Kind. And then, of course, his magnum opus, Revolt of the Empire of the Apes. Um... <laughs> And here we are on our second Mark Polonia film, Hell on the Shelf. I had an idea originally uh, that Mark Polonia cranks out so many no-budget movies that we could just spend an entire summer just doing uh, like Mark Polonia movies or like sh low-budget shark movies. Uh, like Santa, 
Santa Jaws. Was that the one we saw last year? Santa Jaws, yes. Santa Jaws. Or uh, Amityville movies. There's a crap ton of those. Or just Mark Polonia movies for an entire summer. But after watching this week's movie, Hell on the Shelf. Fuck no, we're not doing a Mark Polonia summer. <laughs> I absolutely refuse. I hate this movie. First off, it's not the right elf. All of the posters have the famous elf from Elf on a Shelf. Yes. But then you see the movie, and it's just this this hideous goodwill abortion. Uh, Bunny, what are your thoughts on this movie? I thought, it was, a, on I thought it was a good-looking elf. If anything, I think the elf looked too cute. Okay. And they needed to creep it up a little more. Yeah. Because it was a bit too cute. Uh. Overall, what I thought about it, I it's kind of like creation of the humanoids in that I want this to be a better movie than it is. You know what I, I mean? And it's like and it's like picking up points in my head for how it should have been as opposed to how it is. Yeah, I think that's Mark Polonia's M.O. that the title comes first. Yes. The most important thing in a Mark Polonia film is a title, and it doesn't actually matter what the movie is. Like, I like the concept of Hell on the Shelf. Okay. So a, an elf on the shelf is possessed and, you know, is killing people. Okay, I'm down with that. The movie sucks ass. But it's an interesting premise. And I imagine that that would be the same thing that you would say if you watched uh, Shark Encounters of the Third Kind or Amityville in space. Amityville in space. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's his movies are good in theory, in, in theory, premise, yes. But they they miss the landing. I I liked the seventies <gasps> ish documentary feel that they kind of opened with. And yeah, the were opening not text, able to maintain. But yeah, the opening text says that this is quote a true story documented over three days by a parapsychology crew and I did believe that opening because this definitely looks like it took three days to film yes if it took more than three days to film hell on a shelf I will eat my hat so so it was was very reminiscent to me of a lot of the Cheap ass documentaries I would watch as a kid on like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Or, yeah. Like it was in something like this that I first saw the Warrens. Yeah, the freaking you know it. It upsets me that Blumhouse has turned their story more legitimate. 
you yes. know? Like, uh, the, the Conjuring 3, uh, Annabelle 2, based on a true story. Uh, based on a true... Uh, based on true bullshit that two con artists said happened, yeah. I, I wouldn't consider that based on a true story, but whatever. Uh, I was sad to see that actor Duke Van Sant wasn't in this movie. Yes, that was What's a disappointment. Point? What's the point in watching a Mark Polonia film if Duke Larson isn't in it? And the general premise was The general premise was good, okay? It's a haunted house. There are these two brothers playing in the basement. They find this elf. They get into a fight. One of the kids falls down the stairs, breaks his neck, and dies. Okay, that's a good setup for a haunted house story or an investigation or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. But that's it. Past there, everything else fails. The script fails. The acting fails. Like, Jesus Christ, dude, this is a horror movie. Why are you shooting this in full fucking daylight? 70% of the movie is just two guys talking to static. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear us? Can you hear us? And it's like, okay, stretch that out for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. I would like to take some time with you, Bunny, during this podcast, during this discussion of Hell in a Shelf, to discuss how much damage the 2007 film Paranormal Activity has done to Hollywood horror movies. I have not seen a single one of those fucking things. Okay, but it was the first film to be like, okay, it's a found footage horror movie. Okay, those exist. But the found footage specifically comes from like home security camera footage. It cost only $215,000 to make, and it made about $200 million. It was so successful that it spawned seven films in total, a video game, and a bajillion freaking copycats of movie makers that say, okay, I can also make a film using home security footage and stretch that into an hour and a half. And it, like, I, I, I swear the first 25 minutes is the director of the film explaining the tools that a parapsychologist would use with all the excitement of Ben Stein on NyQuil. Yes. So that was exciting. The director, Mark Polonius, plays Max Simonet in this. And wow, move over M. Night Shyamalan. Here's another director who thinks he can act. Yeah. This movie, I swear this movie felt like three endgames long. That's how long this movie felt. But it's a tight hour 15. But you wouldn't know it. Because it's so <laughs> such a long movie where so little happens. I I still think it has a certain a certain kind of charm, 
in its horrible way. And again, I think it's because there's a, there's a better movie here that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? Like uh they strap a they strap a camera to the elf and they show the elf yeah. running around like that could have been good. Yeah. That could have been really good. That could have been a really could've scary been. fucking scene. You yeah. know? And yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it was not. But was somehow not. somehow with me, it's picking up additional points for for it could have been good. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense. It's an interesting premise just done in a very bad way. It, and then the equipment they used to talk to the ghosts sounds exactly like someone is burning bacon on a stove. And it yeah. drove me nuts. Yeah. The burning of bacon is about 60% of this movie. And it just gro- drove me crazy. This alleged film with finger quotes is basically just two dudes talking over static and the other bits. A lot of them are just silent security footage. And I hell on the shelf. It's about a murderous elf on the shelf that kills people. I thought it would be a so bad. It's good, but it's barely a movie. And I also kind of liked, but see, then, then they, then they kind of lost it. But like, when the elf was just kind of moving around the house and they would get freaked out and talk about it, I found, I found that kind of fun because I found like, these felt like kids who have grown up and, and now they're getting down to the bottom of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, okay, I will, I will give them points because there is a sort of charm to the idea of like, this is coronavirus conspiracy, but without the talent. You, yes. I, I, I can still give this movie points because it does very much feel like this is just three dudes on a weekend. Yes. Saying, hey, let's throw a movie together. It just isn't fun. It could have been tons and tons better. Yes, it absolutely could have been. I found it to be nigh unwatchable. I found Virus Shark and Sharkula to be a bunch of dumb fun, but I this just I felt bad watching this because I'm like, oh my god, did Genie watch this? Yes. Fuck, I'm sorry, Genie. <laughs> this is an hour and fifteen of just moss growing. It was Sandy Wexler all over again. It was Sandy Wexler all over. Yes. I felt really bad because like, it, I thought this movie would be stupid funny. There's another movie that we'll be doing later that I'm really excited to do. Um, we're not doing it next week, but I want to bring it up. I'm really excited. It's a very recent movie. It's called The Killing Tree. And it's okay. about a serial killer who dies, but then his spirit gets resurrected in a Christmas tree that continues the murder spree. Okay. Basically, it's a festive That was an original Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah, yeah, basically. 
So I'm really excited for the killing tree, but for all I know, it could be just as this movie has made me worried because I've got a lot of movies on deck that are like, oh, I've got to download this. Look at the title. And then yeah. it's like, oh, okay. That this might not be good. But <laughs> yeah, it's a, a it's a great idea in theory. But in practice, I hated this movie. I am so freaking high right now. So I was trying to think of how to save this. How do I save uh, our discussion of Hell on the Shelf? And then I came up with a great idea. Because I did not like this movie. Okay. So I'm tying it to the next movie we're doing. The next movie we will be doing is Jim Carrey's live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And it's my theory that both of these films are equally bad for different reasons. Hell on the Shelf, it's no budget. It's just some dudes in one of their houses talking to Static and it's a great premise, but nothing happens, and it's boring, and it's badly done. Jim Carrey's live-action How the Grinch Stole Christmas, they have hundreds of millions of dollars. Massive sets. They have music, special effects, actual actors. Something tells me it's going to be just as annoying and horrible. (laughs) As Hell on the Shelf. I've actually never sat down and watched Jim Carrey's live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas all the way through. Neither have I. This is going to be great for us then. Because we will both be taking some fresh looks at this thing. And something tells me that Jim Carrey yelling directly in the camera for two hours is going to be just as annoying as watching Mark Polonia talk to Static. Yes. I have a real problem with everything Dr. Seuss. Because Dr. Seuss, so Dr. Seuss was married to a woman, and then he wrote kids' books, and then TV said, hey, we, Dr. Seuss, we love your kids' books. This is a mini shaft. Hey, Dr. Seuss, we love your kids' books. How about we turn uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas into an animated TV cartoon? And Dr. Seuss said, I would love it. I've always had dreams of going to Hollywood. Did you see my movie, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T? Of course you didn't. No one did. It, but it's pretty freaking trippy. <laughs> yes, let's do this animated cartoon. And the animated cartoon was a huge success. So the TV network came back to Dr. Seuss and said, hey, we want to do a whole series of car- of cartoons based on your works and Dr. Seuss said, "Yes, these will all be successful and they will all play on TV forever. Have the rights to all of my books." And they cranked out a bunch of Dr. Seuss cartoons and all of them suck ass. <laughs> There's a cat in the hat one with like Bobby Sherman. There's a voice of the cat in the hat and He's all sticky. And then there's like a mashup. The Grinch Grinches the cat in the hat. 
And uh, there's one of the Sneeches and Green Eggs and Ham, and they're all just really cheap and horrible. And Dr. Seuss hated it. So Dr. Seuss said, okay, wife of mine, first wife of mine, I am never again giving the rights to any of my creations to anyone. And his first wife said, okay, I 100% support you. And then he, he, his first wife, uh, that bro he broke up with that. So then his second wife is like, uh, is like, uh, I support you, my husband, Dr. Seuss. And Hollywood's like, hey, it's the 90s now. We want to buy the rights to this and this and this. We want to make a big TV show for this and a movie for this and this and that. And Dr. Seuss says, no, get away from me, Hollywood, with your millions of dollars. I will never be selling the rights to this. But the second wife is like, come on, Dr. Seuss, we need the money. And uh, Dr. Seuss said, no, as long as I am living second wife, I will never be selling the rights. And Dr. Seuss's second wife said, okay, fine. While you're alive, huh? Hmm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Bobby, get the documents ready. My husband has a cold. Get the papers ready. <laughs> oh, what? My husband just died? That's a big shame. Everybody, come over here. I'm selling a lot of them. And that's why immediately, live action Cat in the Hat, live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas, animated Lorax. It, there are kids now for whom the Cat in the Hat is primarily an animated PBS character who teaches kids about science. <laughs> suddenly uh dr seuss is everywhere because the second wife was like oh i don't give a shit i need the money i'm selling every character everywhere to everyone so you know they did the same thing to uh to uh they did the same thing in uh knives out they were just waiting for him to die yes True. What what was his name? What was his name? I forgot his the writer's name. Uh I saw Knives Out 2. You did this past week. Yes. Glass Onion. When I went into the movie, it's playing in a limited number of theaters just for a week. And I think that's a big shame. I think that people definitely that Netflix should keep it in theaters. They should expand it. It's a wonderful film, and you should watch it in theaters. I, I shudder to think of watching this on like my crappy ass laptop. It's a great movie. It is fun. It's great to see it with an audience. There's a lot of twists and turns. I liked it more than I liked the first one. And um, when I first went into the movie, I had one specific thing in my head: if the movie Glass Onion does not play the Beatles song, I'm going to set this movie theater on fire. Okay, so, so not having heard anything on the news, I take it they had that song. The movie is so fun and so good, and there are so many twists and turns, and the character work is great. It's such a fun film that I completely forgot about what I was thinking of in the beginning. So finally, when the cred when when uh, the the lights dim, when the the screen dims, and the first credit pops up, and you you hear do do 
I told you about strawberry fields. I had totally forgotten what I said in the beginning. And I marked out like I was at WrestleMania. <laughs> and they just played Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. I freaked out. Oh, they are playing it. Yes. All of you in the theater, you're safe. <coughs> Such a good movie. So much fun. And I absolutely loved it. And it is a damn shame that this movie is only out for one week in a small amount of theaters. If I had the gas money, I would drive over there again to see it. I drove over an hour to the theater that I go to only for the special things. I went there for... Did I go there for uh, the director's cut of Midsommar? Yes. Did I go there for The Lighthouse? Yes. Did I also go there for X-Men Dark Phoenix? Yes, but it was IMAX tickets for free, and I got a keychain. <laughs> so who is uh, up in that transaction? This gal. So uh, <clears throat> great movie. Can't recommend it enough. I can't wait for it to come out on Netflix only so that I can, you know, me and Gizmo and Max can watch it. It's just so much fun. Yeah. And I like it better than the first one, which says a lot, because I saw that movie in theaters like six times. So that's all I've got for... <laughs> I forgot what we were doing for a second. Hell on the Shelf. Uh, I will say, though, um, I'm kind of upset that I'm... Watching this movie, I kind of wish that I still worked in the children's department of the bookstore. Yeah. Because it would have been nice to know that this movie exists when I'm selling Elf on the Shelves. <laughs> you know, it would have been nice to, uh, you know, here you go, young child. Here's an Elf on the Shelf. And then lean over to the parents. There's a movie on Shudder. It's called Hell on the Shelf. Just search Mark Polonia. You know, that would have been nice. This is on Shudder? I'm just assuming. Okay. It's a it's a no budget horror movie, so I'm just assuming it's on Shutter. I'm just saying Shutter doesn't get the shining. <laughs> you know? Shutter gets hell on the shelf. Shutter Shutter doesn't get Doctor Sleep. Shutter gets Terrifier 2. Yes. No offense to Psycho Gorman, but there's a certain budget of horror movies that I consider shudder movies. Uh-huh. I see. Mark, Pol Mark Polonia is a one-man asylum. He is a one-man full moon pictures. He is a one-man mockumentary. Uh, no, no, Mockbuster Studio. But yes. he's one dude. And I, I gotta give him a tip of the hat, but also don't watch Hell on a Shelf. It sucks. Get better. Yeah, get better. At least, at least make it campy. If this was campy, then it probably would have been a lot more fun, but it's just boring. And I, I guess they're trying to be scary and trying to be serious and taking a serious look at paranormal investigating, but it's it's an elf on the shelf that kills people. 
the movie doesn't have to be this serious. And it would be nice if people died in it. Yeah. And then, like, oh, there's a twist. And there's a twist about who one of the characters actually is. And it's so shocking when it happens that people go, it's so shocking that, like, what? You didn't tell me? I am shocked. Why didn't you tell me? It's like, wow, way to act. Yeah. Oh, calm down, Dolores Fuller. Going for the Oscar over here. So, okay. Yeah, so, so... You take the fucking elf and you lock it in, like, a glass box so it can't get out. Annabelle. Yeah. And you sell tickets for people to come see it. And you let the guy, Max, die of old fucking age. Yeah. Yeah, Annabelle. But that's when your cash cow dies. So it it is to your advantage to keep Max alive. You would get Max on keto immediately. You know? Like, okay, Max, it's time to go out for your jog. You know, mm, you're going to yeah. want to keep Max as healthy for as long as possible so you yeah. can keep selling tickets to the little demonic doll you got in the glass box. Yeah, the demonic doll show. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. They just anyway, do not know how to make lemonade out of lemons. They do not. No. Well, when life gives you lemons. Do, 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 do. Well, that's it for this week's movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And no, Hell on the Shelf. Next week, we're doing Jim Carrey's live action, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Amber freaking loves that movie. Really? So Amber, yeah, she loves both of the live action Dr. Seuss movies. Um, If anything, I think that they should make a third live-action Dr. Seuss movie with an annoying uh, comedian starring in it. Yeah. Like uh, Green Eggs and Ham starring Dane Cook. Boom. Make it happen. There you go. Uh, the Sneetches starring Polly Shore. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anybody else. But it... it 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 upsets my uh, OCD that they only made two live action Dr. Seuss movies. Make a third. You well, know? Just just yeah. for the symmetry. Yeah. Yeah. So next week, it'll be the first time that either Bunny and I are first watch of Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Very excited about this. I have seen the animated Grinch movie with Dr. Strange in it. Really? Dinglebird Slappy Back. I saw that one. It's just called The Grinch, and that one was okay. But the thing, the thing that upsets me though is that the Grinch has a good reason to hate Christmas. At least in the animated one. In the animated one, where uh, uh, where uh, Benedict Dingle Dingle Dinglepatch uh, is the voice of the Grinch. Like, oh, he was born like an orphan and people would make fun of him and he spent every Christmas alone. And it's like, okay, 
He has every reason to hate Christmas. Maybe get off his ass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm interested. Well, to see... but that's that's what it is. If you're not following their religion, then yeah. then you're the demon who has to live in the cave up in the mountains in the snow, yeah. all alone. Yeah, it's basically like a like all the Who's are Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, the Grinch is the only normal person. Yeah. Uh so that's going to be next week. Next episode going to be a lot of fun. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, the highs and the lows, uh, Mark Polonia, Joyce Brothers, American Badass, Crocodile Hugging, B- Build-A-Bear. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn one. good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I feel like you're the person who makes that distinction, Bunny, not me. And I didn't want to step on your toes or anything <laughs> like that. The last thing I want to do is be toe-stepping. Yes. I don't want to step on Bunny's toes. But yes, I concur with this assessment, with your assessment, good sir. No, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, Max is gone. (laughs) But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend May Lynn. And on behalf of Natasha and Mal and Max and Eleanor and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you do shuffles and poopy tits. And whatever Maxwell would say. Cookie! <laughs> okay. Very, very specific. Do 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 You're pumped in a fall. Do 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 do